If you have a copy of God's Word, would you open up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We began uh, the letter to the Philippians last week. We looked at the first two verses, which essentially is Paul's introduction and greeting to the Philippians. And if you don't know the, uh, the context of that, <clears throat> uh, Paul had been to Philippi during his missionary journeys, had preached the gospel there, saw people uh, come to know Christ as their salvation, uh, had trusted him and were following him. And now, 10 years later, from prison, is writing a letter back to those people. So even just in those first couple of verses, you see the affection that Paul has for these people. And it's, it's interesting to me because oftentimes people will ask this question. What's the greatest thing about ministry? And the answer is the people. What's the most difficult thing about ministry? The people. Can we just all agree, myself included, that we are difficult people? Can we agree on that? Like, if we're on the same level about anything this morning, it's that we're all difficult in our own ways, right? We are all difficult. We all have preferences that frustrate other people, right? Other people have preferences that frustrate us. But what I want us to see this morning as we read this text, we're going to look at verses 3 through 11, is that even though... The Philippians probably at different times frustrated Paul. He has this overwhelming joy, love, and affection for them. Look with me at verse 3. The scripture says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Cir circle that word joy. Because of your partnership, circle that word partnership, we're going to come back to that, in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ." filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. God, we've come to you several times already just praying, God, just adoring you. God, confessing to you. Lord, praising you. 
Now, as we open your word, God, as we dig in deep, God, would you help to illuminate the words, the phrases, the verses, the the themes, the things that you want us to see this morning. For the praise and glory of our God. Yes, Lord, would you guide us this morning, and would you be worshiped. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. The joy of partnership. That's the thing that we're going to see throughout this entire letter is that Paul has great joy for the gospel and for these people in Philippi. But there's this other word, partnership, that Paul is actually partnering with them, even though he's not physically in the same location as them, he's partnering with them in the gospel. That's the phrase that we see this morning in verse 5. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel, which is what we're talking about this morning. Partnership in the gospel, but what, is, what does that mean? What is a, a partner in the gospel? Well, before we talk about who or what partners are, I think we have to note what Paul is doing here. He's praying for partners. He's praying for partners. Look at verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. And then in verse 8 he says, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The best part about ministry is people. The hardest part about ministry is people. But Paul doesn't talk about how difficult the Philippians are. He talks about how much affection he has for them. How thankful he is for them. How much joy they bring him and how much love he has for them. Let me ask us this question. When you pray, do you express affection for other people or do you begrudgingly out of guilt pray for other people because God wants you to do you pray for people with a love and affection for them a desire for them to know the Lord deeply as their salvation, or do you begrudgingly pray for them because God wants you to? Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Who are the people in your life that you're thankful for? Are you thankful for the people in your life that make your life easy? Or are you thankful for the people in your life that make your life difficult and actually help grow you? 
Are you thankful for both? How often do you pray for those who make your life difficult? Now listen, parents, I'm not talking about just praying for your kids. I'm talking about praying for your neighbors, your coworkers, your bosses, your family, people in your life who really make your life difficult. Let me ask us this question. If other people were to pray for us as much as we pray for them, how often would you be prayed for? If other people were to pray for you as often as you pray for them, how often would you be prayed for? Paul has this great thankfulness for the Philippians. They've been through certain things together. They've partnered with him in his missionary work. And because of that, in every prayer of his, he thanks God for the Philippians making his prayer joyful. Why? Because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He says he has joy and he has love. You say, yeah, I have joy and love for certain people, but not all people. Well, look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. If you're uh, taking notes in your scripture journal, just write that down. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says these are fruits of the Spirit. These are things that should be evident in our lives if we are following Jesus. Listen, Paul doesn't have joy For the Philippians, he doesn't have love and affection for them just because he has a different level of relationship with them. He has love and joy towards them because he's following Jesus and it's fruit in his life. You see, it's easy to love people who love you back, right? It's easy to pray for people who pray for you. But what do you do with Jesus' words when he says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? We should be going to the Father to pray for the people who make it difficult in our lives. We should have thankfulness for other people. We should have joy and love for them. And Paul says that he experiences those affections and has those towards the Philippians because of their partnership in the gospel. But what are partners in the gospel? Look at verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then he says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
The word there in the original language that's translated partnership can also be translated as fellowship. You see it translated that way often throughout the New Testament, that there's fellowship in the gospel. There's fellowship, there's partnership amongst people who are following Jesus. There's partnership within the church. I don't know if you have any things that come to mind when you think about the word partnership and what it means to to really partner together. But the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about partnership were the Mighty Ducks. If you know anything about the Mighty Ducks, they came together and they won the championship, right? And then in the second installment of the Mighty Ducks, they were asked to represent Team USA. But there were other players from around the country who were added to their team. And the original Ducks said, we don't need those other players, right? We won without them. Why do we need them? And so when you watch them start to practice, they're all over the place and they're frustrated with each other. They're not working together. So what does Coach Bombay do? He ties them all up together. All bunched together, tied up, and if they don't partner together, they're not going to be able to move. And they try to move, all going their own direction. What happens? They fall down. Listen, if I was on ice, I'd fall down anyway. But they couldn't work together. And when they figured out how to partner together and move in the same direction, they didn't fall down. They stayed together and they were working together in fellowship and partnership, doing more together than they could individually. We need partners in the gospel. Paul says about the Philippians that he's thankful for their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now you got to remember that it's been 10 years since he's been in Philippi. He's now in prison and the Philippians are still partnering with him. What does he mean by that? Because they're not physically with him, right? But they're still partners. How? Because they're working together for the same mission. The mission of God that people would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yes, in different locations, but working together for the same mission. And he says that because of that, I have great joy. And then in verse 7, he he even defends his feelings towards them. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Can I say this? If we're partnering together, that means we're partaking of the work together. Listen, I'm not talking about middle school, high school group projects where one person did all the work and the whole group got the same grade. Okay, I'm talking about equal partnership in the gospel, following Jesus and working together for the mission of God in the way that he has gifted us to do so. That doesn't mean that we all do the same things, right? It means that we're all equally a part of the mission, working in the way that God has gifted us 
And together, we see the fruits of that labor. Theologian James Boyce says it this way, It is not enough to tolerate other Christians. Is that like a dagger? Like I read that and I was like, man, how many people do I just tolerate? Listen to this next line. He says, you must enjoy their company. You must learn from them. Furthermore, this fellowship or this partnership must be one that is constantly expanding to include other Christians, even those whom you have never met, but with whom you are forever united in the Lord. Even those who you've never met who are following Jesus on the other side of the world. You've never met them, but we're working together partnering in the mission of God to take the gospel to dark places, to people who haven't believed in Jesus. He says it's not enough for us just to tolerate other Christians. We should enjoy their company. Listen, listen to me, church. I'm not talking about all of us looking the same, acting the same, believing the same nuanced things, dressing the same way. Listen, that becomes a cult real fast, okay? I'm not about that. We are all uniquely created in the image and likeness of God. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus for our salvation have been uniquely gifted to serve God. We need to do that. We need to serve him. We need to work and partner in the gospel together. Doing the things that he's called us to do. We don't all do the same things, but we work towards the same mission and purpose. Even when we're in different places. Let me ask us this question. How are you participating in the work of the gospel? Paul says that the Philippians have been partnering in the gospel with him from the first day until now. They're continuing to support him. You have to remember that uh, imprisonment during this time, if you didn't have relationships outside of prison, you weren't being taken care of inside the prison. You see, Paul needed his partners in other places to be able to send food to him. If others didn't send food, he wouldn't eat. He needed those relationships. He had to continue the partnership. So even 10 years removed from him coming to Philippi, meeting some of these people, some of them trusting the Lord, they're still partnering with him. They're financially supporting him. They're caring for him. But they're also continuing to proclaim the gospel in Philippi. So you got to remember that 10 years removed from Paul being in Philippi, there are believers in the church at Philippi that have never met Paul. Because they've heard the gospel from people that Paul shared the gospel with. And those people believe the gospel and they shared the gospel with these other people. Other people have moved to town in the last 10 years when Paul hasn't been there. And they've heard the gospel from these people. And the church is flourishing and it's growing. And they're continuing to partner with him. 
How are you participating in the gospel? Well, let me just share this with you. That when you partner together here at Restoration Church, you're partnering in the gospel in other places. You specifically may not be giving money directly to a church plant in Denver, but because you financially support Restoration Church and Restoration Church partners financially with uh, Cap City Church in Denver that is being planted in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, you're helping to partner in the gospel with the Van Wardhuizens in Denver. Did you know that when you partner together here at Restoration Church that you're helping plant Rooted Community Church in Lebanon, Illinois? That has been sharing the gospel with their city, that has seen people trust Jesus, they've been baptizing people, the church is growing, and you, because of your partnership here at Restoration Church, you're partnering with them in the gospel. And many of you have never met them but we're partnering together in the same mission and work together. Your partnership at Restoration Church has helped plant churches all over North America. The SEND Network has been planting churches over the last decade. We've planted over 10,000 churches in the last decade. Your partnership here is partnering in the gospel in other places. But I don't want that to just be enough for us. I want us to partner together here, right? We have a desire over the next seven to eight years to plant out of Restoration Church three churches. That means people, that means resources, that means leaders. Some of you in this room may be part of some of those church planting teams over the next eight years. But do you remember what we saw Paul doing for the Philippians? What's he doing? He's praying for them. He's praying for partners. Let me, let me challenge you that daily we should be praying for new partners. We should be praying for people to meet Jesus and to trust him for salvation. That their eternal destination would be forever changed. We should be praying for those people to grow up in the gospel, to follow Jesus, and to go where he calls them. Maybe to be church planters in other places. Let's do that together. Let's participate together because I believe this take-home truth. We can do far more together than we can alone. We can do far more together than we can do alone. Listen, Eric cannot plant three churches over the next eight years. My family cannot plant three churches over the next eight years by ourselves. But collectively, this gathering of God's people, can we plant three churches over the next eight years? I believe we can. But here's what that means. That means that daily we're praying for new partners. That we ourselves are partners in the gospel. And that we have the end goal in mind. The goal of partnership. Look at verse 10. 
Paul says all of these things. He says in verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, my prayer for you is that you have love and knowledge and discernment, that you're pure and blameless, that you're filled with the fruit of righteousness. But don't forget about verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We have to have the end goal in mind. Listen, we partner together because we believe that Jesus is coming back. We partner together because we know that at some point this physical life is going to be over. And people are going to meet Jesus. We have to have the end goal in mind when it comes to partnership. That we want people to have all knowledge and discernment. That we want them to be pure and blameless. We want them to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And I think it is so important that we have this same confident hope that Paul has here for the Philippians. That he's sure of this one thing, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. Listen, God is the initiator, and he doesn't start something that he doesn't finish. God started a work in you years ago, days ago. Maybe he's even starting to work in you this morning. If you have a relationship with Jesus, we have to have the end goal in mind that we understand that God is the initiator, that he's drawing people to himself, and the desire is for them to know Jesus as the only way to salvation. We do that together, partnering together, sharing the gospel together, digging into the scriptures together, serving our community together, serving within the walls of the church together. Listen, when we serve on Sunday mornings, we're serving the people that gather here. When we serve our community outside of these walls, we're serving our city for a greater purpose that they would come to know Jesus. That we would be partners in the gospel.